Hello, 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 and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower, who supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. Crammed with certified organic growing power, if you're looking for amazing results with all of your fruit and vegetables, your flower beds, your lawns and houseplants, then Natural Growers award-winning certified organic peat-free compost and fertiliser knock the socks off chemical products. All products are certified organic, 100% chemical-free and 100% peat-free. And those lovely people at Natural Grower have given me an exclusive 10% discount off all products for my listeners. Just pop Mike 10, M-I-C, the number 10, in the apply coupon field when you check out. It's our penultimate episode and I just can't believe where the time has gone. Series 4 started way back in June. Now, can you believe that? Because I certainly can't. So today, I chat... Once again, to another returning guest of the podcast, Michael Perry, also known as Mr. Plant Geek. For those of you who listen regularly, and if you don't, why not? Michael was a guest on the podcast at the beginning of Series 2, when I travelled to his wonderful garden and sat in the glorious August sunshine, talking all things gardening, plants, social media, and of course, lots, lots more. So... I'm absolutely delighted to invite Michael back again to chat about his new book. Yes, our Mr. Plant Geek has turned author with the release of his brand new book, Hortus Curious, published by DK Books. In this episode, Michael tells me everything about the book, including how it came about, how he found the writing process and the illustrator Aaron Apsley. We also talk at length about the look feel and style of this incredible book which will literally pop off the shelves when you walk into your local bookshop believe me we also touch upon social media awards and what michael is up to next and at the very beginning of our chat there are some very helpful tips on how and when to use a certain brand of moisturizing oil to keep the wrinkles at bay yes you heard me right So, here comes our wonderful chat. Well, welcome back to the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast. It's almost a year since since I came up to you and sat in your gorgeous garden. Do you know, it feels like about five years ago. It feels like... It feels like so much happens at the moment. It feels like every year is about five years. It's really... Yeah, it's mad, but it's nice to be busy. We'll never complain. It's got nothing to do with getting old, has it? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, definitely, definitely having to slap on the oil of Yule uh, twice a day now. Yeah, <laughs> twice a day. Oh, this is, I need, I've made a mental note of that. This is what I need to be doing. Definitely double in the evening. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, double thickness. <laughs> oh, okay, well, just before you go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so, social media god, podcasting god, yeah. prince, along with Princess Ellen Mary, <laughs> and author... How does it feel? Um, all right. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's so funny. What do you say when um? I find it very hard when someone says, how do you feel about something? I'm just like, well, 
it's just something I did. I kind of feel proud. I don't want to be the typical Gwyneth Paltrow about it. But of course, yeah, it feels amazing to have a book that's released. Um, I think uh, a lot of authors out there will relate to this. You go through a lot of different stages, I think, when you're writing a book. Obviously, when you first write it, you kind of you don't quite imagine it in print. It's kind of like you're, you know, just using some Microsoft document and putting all this text down. Then there's the point where you hand the text over that then feels more real. When you get the proofs, then feels real again, and then you forget about it. Then you get your first copy, then it feels like, oh, this feels real. And then you forget about it. And then kind of publish day comes, which I haven't experienced quite yet. And yeah, and I guess then you feel a whole nother rush of kind of excitement as well. And and then I guess the second part of that excitement is when you then see it on the shelf in the shop as well. And I'll be making that pilgrimage um, at some point, I'm sure, to then see it. And the way it's bright pink, you know, we won't be able to miss it. I don't, I don't think it even needs a display case, you know? <laughs> Do you know what? It sort of, it struck me when I looked at it, the flashy pink cover with that imposing Titan Arum, you just yeah. can't miss it. It sort of breaks the moulds. And I wonder, were you conscious that you were doing that? Was that a conscious decision to make this book slightly different to other books? Because it feels that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's obviously with DK Books, so that's great because when I was a kid, you know, I was being, buying DK, Dolan Kindersley books with the diagrams. and They were probably the most popular books I bought when I was a child. But, um, yeah, they obviously gave me a lot of support. They helped make a lot of decisions. They they wanted to re really have a kind of sea change with a lot of how the books looked. And so they really gave me a lot of freedom with the style of writing. So it's very, it's writing very informally and kind of very chatty, I think you'll find as well. Mm. And there was hardly any editing, which I thought was quite lucky because, you know, some friends of mine have had their books very much kind of the, the delivery kind of changed. So mine is quite unchanged. Um, the images, the illustrations by Aaron Apsley are obviously phenomenal. And I see the book is kind of 50-50. You know, the text is 50%, but the images is the other half. So it's kind of, I've kind of only really put together half a book in some ways. And then the colours, obviously you go back and forth with the designers. They bring you lots of different designs and kind of, you know, at the end of the day, I'm working with a major publisher in the UK, so I'm kind of being guided by a lot of their decisions. So, you know, I'm giving my input, but I'm really kind of bowing to a lot of their advice on it as well. So kind of we went towards this pink cover and obviously with the Titan Arum. And I didn't realise how bright that Pantone colour was until I got the first sample. And mm. I was like, OK, that is bright because you look at it on a computer screen and it doesn't, you know, you don't always get that true kind of, you know, uh, colouring, but it's like, it's a real wow factor. And I think a real nice to have that as such a wow factor for my first book, but I think it's very important departure and kind of change for DK as well to, to not only have that more, I don't know if it's the right word, but colloquially written book, which mm. is kind of more chatty, but also kind of it's laid out more like a kind of casual magazine a little bit as well. And, yeah. and obviously the colours, the kind of vibrancy, and I think it kind of sums up the way I approach stuff, which is kind of not being too serious, kind of making sure you're getting the the correct information across, but not doing it in a stuffy way. And kind of, I'm not here to prove anything to anyone. I'm not here to kind of, you know, I know more than you. There's so much I don't know. So, which yeah, you make very kind of, clear in the book. It's just you fun. Talk about, yeah. yeah, it's just really fun, and hopefully people will read it and not feel like, oh, this is really above me or kind of like really inaccessible or kind of being a bit kind of smug about the knowledge but but also you know my vision was always that 
people that hate plants have no interest in plants kind of they would pick it up and mm. be immediately interested in plants and and you know my partner he's a, he's a designer he's a industrial designer no interest in plants whatsoever when the book came through and it, he wasn't doing this just to be polite but he actually sat there and read it for like probably about an hour and got like about a third of the way through the book and this was kind of completely came from nowhere and if i can turn someone on like that to read a book it's just really cool and a book about plants and almost you start to read the book and you don't realize you're reading about plants because you're quite kind of pulled in by it i hope so yeah yeah do you uh, what do you think that's important too you mentioned the magazine feel and that was the mm. first thing that struck me the way the layout of the type the illustrations the pictures I love the fact that there's a pictorial representation of where the plants come from. So there's not loads mm. of boring text about this plant originates from South Africa. And yeah, yeah. There's a picture that shows you instantly this is from mm -hmm. this area. I love the feel. I love the menu. Now, I don't yeah. often get excited about a menu in a book, the contents <laughs> page. Plants behaving badly, mistaken yeah. identity, superheroes, X-rated. You just sort of you're drawn yeah. and that's oh that's for cool. me it made the difference sort of between some gardening books maybe a lot of gardening yeah. books it yeah. was a different style that hooked me and i found myself thumbing through most of the pages yeah. the illustrations by aaron as you say which are incredible yeah, that's um, cool. yeah. So, it's really nice to hear you talk about it because i'm um, I probably haven't. Um, I probably haven't talked to anybody who's picked it up in that way yet. So you're my first interview as well. So yeah, it's really nice to hear that feedback. And and you call it a gardening book, but really at the end of the day, it's kind of a plant book, I guess. It's it not kind of telling book, you how yeah. to do stuff and kind of not being too serious. But you know, and in no ways is it a botanical book. It's kind of just a book about plants, a fun book about plants. You know, that's that's all it is. Yeah. I want to take you back to when you mm. were about f uh, five years old in Mrs. Garden's classroom. <laughs> Had you ever thought that a book might be on the agenda later in, later in life? Oh, God, I think no. you knew about plants, but was a book, and even in la later years, has this been something that has been with you when you've been out doing your talks, Weird and Wacky Plants? Have you thought, mm. this, is a book, this is a book? I thought it might work as a book, but I've never, I mean, like you know me a little bit, Mike, I'm kind of not always, I'm very much like in the moment, kind of, you know, doing the stuff I'm doing now. I don't believe in five-year plans. I think five-year plans just make you really lazy until year four and a half. And then you're kind of like scrabbing to get it done, just like you do your homework on a Sunday night, kind of like that. So I've never really looked ahead in these ways. And I've just kind of took stuff as it comes. And I think that makes you very reactive. I think that makes you take opportunities that arise because sometimes when you've got a five-year plan, you're kind of like maybe saying no to this or that because it doesn't fit into your plan. Yeah, so I'm yeah. kind of very, yeah. So I'd never, to be honest, I'd never really had any kind of definite like, oh, I must do a book. I think probably in the back of my mind is like, if I do a book, that would be great. And so I did. And it is. So, so, how, did, yeah. so how did the book come about? Um... It was really like, I think I talked tentatively with maybe a couple of publishers like in the past over the last like five or so years. But, you know, when something needs to feel right and instinctively and I'm very like, you know, I talked to you about five year plan and being reactive, but I'm also very instinctive mm. with the work that I do. And I just kind of follow the path very naturally. Um, and it was really kind of knowing Chris Young, 
who was the editor at RHS The Garden magazine. And he he's such a great guy, and we're just mm-hmm. kind of on the same wavelength. And he, obviously, when he then started working at DK Books, he then, you know, remembered me, knew that I was talking about weird and wacky plants here and there, and kind of thought that might be a nice idea for a book. And I guess because I'd been doing the PowerPoint presentations, kind of the, the weird and wacky plant show at different locations, you know, Canada, US, Japan, online, virtual through um 2020 as well. The book was kind of almost like like almost started to be written anyway by the presentations were there and the kind of the chapters and kind of what was in each chapter and what they were called was also very natural because this was almost part of how the the PowerPoint had been laid out. So I just needed to expand on that, make it a bit more kind of book suitable, and obviously then write the stories about the plants and kind of look up the information, this and that. But it's funny because when you start writing a book, no one no one really tells you how to do it. So mm. I was kind of like sometimes like, well, how do I do this? And no one can <laughs> tell you how to do it because, of course, everyone does it differently as well. So it was kind of, yeah, I had to put my big boy pants on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really strange because when I came up to speak to you in August last year, I listened to one of your podcast episodes and it was an episode you did yeah. on, by yourself. <laughs> And you almost apologised at the beginning of the podcast for being almost too grown up. And I remember saying to you when I came up to you, it sort of suited you. I liked that sort of big boy pants, Mr. Perry. Yeah. Because you you came across differently. And I think almost like the transition now from someone who I know as being social media and podcaster, Mm -hmm. it's almost like going from Prince Charles to becoming King Charles. There's this gravitas with being an author. And I wondered... On the first day when you thought, right, I've got to knuckle down this, put my big pants yeah. on and knuckle down there. Mm. How did you start? With a blank screen. What mm. Well, I think it's an easy book to write because it's 40 plant profiles in a way. So it's 40 mm. separate stories. So already, you know, compared to Ellen, for example, she was writing more of a, you know, a book that kind of had to have a flow and different chapters they had to tie in to each other immediately I had an easy format so this is great um it felt very natural to have the different kind of um like entries data entries as it were so they kind of felt quite naturally and then I just wanted to tell a fun story about the plants so I kind of collected together lots of different info kind of then just wrote about it in my own words and and very much the way I write and it's kind of Sometimes it's difficult because you need to make sure you're in that creative flow. But I would not, I kind of write how I speak. So it's kind of like I'm thinking, oh, blah, 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 and it's then down on the paper. And there's not many times I would then edit that or go back and forth because I believe, again, in being quite instinctive. And sometimes what comes out the first time is very often the best as well. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of authors and people that put stuff together would would agree with that as well. So I very much kind of did it in quite a, I don't know, quite a straightforward way. So I really, I guess the only obstacle was kind of feeling creative in that moment as well. But yeah, I think some, I'm quite good at allowing my mind to kind of go lateral. Is that the right word? I'm not sure. But to kind of, just to let it go, to kind of go sideways and this and relate it to other stuff and make, make it feel a little bit more fun than it is as well. And it just, it just kind of came out quite naturally, I think. And, and I think sometimes when you've got a deadline that someone else depends on, that is easier than a deadline you do yourself. Like, um, for example, if I was going to self-publish, then kind of it's 
like all down to me in a way. Mm. So I'm much better when there's someone else telling me they need to me to deliver something on a certain day. I can respond to that because of course you can be lazy with yourself, you know, yeah. but when it's someone else depending on it, you've got to do it. So yeah, I was quite um, disciplined. It was a good time of year though, because it was like end of September through to like uh, January when I'm a bit oh, quieter okay. and not on the road as much. Yeah, yeah. If it had been kind of January through to July, it would have been, and I think the first mistake I made was thinking that I could, uh, you know, snatch this four hours in a hotel room and get this, this, and this done. You kind of can't do that because you're forcing the creativity. So you kind of have to just trust yourself to kind of do it at the right time. So, and again, I'm very instinctive with that. I wasn't kind of forcing myself to kind of, I tried it a couple of times and I was like, oh, I've got so much time in this hotel then. But then also I had to mix it in with my day-to-day work. And No, this is when you need time out. And just because you've got the spare time doesn't mean that's the time you can be writing the book. So mm-hmm. it was a real balance between all of that really and kind of making sure I still had time to myself and just jumping on those creative moments really. And and they happen to fall in the right place. So that was cool. <laughs> it's really interesting because I speak to a lot of authors and some are very disciplined. They will yeah. write. They will sit down at eight o'clock in the morning and write. Yeah. Others are very much like yourself who are, I've got to be in that space. So I'm, I'm creative and what comes yeah. out is good content. It's really strange. But I still, how... Yeah, I mean, I had to be in the space, but I still, you know, you've still got a deadline to meet. So you've still got to force it in some way. But, you know, I found that... Um, for example, you know, why force yourself to start at 8 a.m. in the morning if that's not your best time to work as mm. well? So be be honest with yourself. If you work better in the evening, kind of like from 8 p.m. onwards, roll with that, you know. No one's no one's telling you the right time to write the book, you know. So kind of I very much fell in line with that, and it kind of seemed to work, really. So, yeah, it kind of um, it just came together. Obviously, there's a lot to thank editors for as well because, you know, there would be – they didn't change kind of the way I worded like like my kind of a tone of voice but obviously Mm. you know different grammar things and here and there and I think I've got a fairly good understanding of grammar but there was a couple of occasions I'm like is it really like this and it's like and like Izzy the editor is like well well, actually it is and I was like oh well that's different (laughs) I was like sort of learning some bits as I went along and it was yeah it was really cool yeah were there ever times during the writing of the book that you thought oh my goodness me what have I taken on here were there, were there ever times when it there was a a block oh, a writer's yeah. block where it was difficult to carry on I don't know I would say no really but you know me Mike I'm an insatiably positive person kind of yeah. almost to an annoying level so <laughs> kind of like saying no um I don't know really I guess I just trusted the process um, I did, I mean, I, I should probably talk about the way I pulled the info together. I really kind of had, you know, a few sheets of A4 paper. I'd then do my research, which is books online here and there, talking to like, some different botanist friends here and there as well, and pulling together all of those notes and kind of, you know, then pulling that into a story. And again, that felt quite instinctive, I guess, because I'd pulled the notes and I think I've always had a good skill at knowing the right order to put things in or do things in. Mm, so mm. that kind of made sense. So I, even though I had the notes on the paper, I knew, oh, we've got to talk about this and then go to this and then pull this. And so you're kind of like taking the notes off the paper, crossing out that paragraph, you put that in, cross out that one, put that in. You know, maybe there's a few bits that don't make that final draft. Um, I then had some very great 
botanist friends, Mark Hatchadorian in New York Botanic Garden, um, Alistair Robinson, who's based at Melbourne as, as well at the Botanic Garden, like helping me to kind of check off, you know, the botanical stuff because I'm not a botanist, you know, and I don't, I certainly don't know everything. There's, there's not much I do know really in the scheme of stuff, but yeah, so really relied on them a lot to make sure that stuff was then correct. They added bits in here and there because it's difficult sometimes, Mike, you don't know, like you can look stuff off on the internet, but you don't know it's correct there. But also then you're looking in books. So maybe then you're in the library, you've got your own books, but then you compare into this. And and also sometimes just because it's in paper, that doesn't make it right because maybe something superseded it since. Yeah. So like, you know, the largest Titanarum, for example, there might be newer information or like with the um, Stylidium, uh, the trigger plant, you know, actually more recent research suggested that wasn't proto-carnivorous where it traps the insects for a reason. So I then kind of had to adjust kind of my paragraph a little bit to kind of be, oh, well, for a while, botanists thought that it would do this, but it turns out it didn't. Mm. But kind of I'd already prepared that paragraph of text. So I then had to kind of adjust how that worded because almost some new research had then come in. So the different pits were coming from all different angles and kind of a little bit tricky not being a botanist to kind of then um, uh, dissect all of that as well. And also... Also not wanting to be too serious and get too caught up in all of that kind of information as well, because the, the the reader, I didn't want them to get caught up in that and to feel too serious when they're then reading the book. And it's, mm. I wanted it to always be a really light read that people would enjoy, learn stuff from, but it wouldn't feel like too heavy. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. to be a coffee yeah. table book, really, just to kind of, you might dip in, you know, while you're, your pants heating up for your stir fry or something or yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so you, you've got to use it hot so that'll allow you to do two pages at least <laughs> <laughs> i have to remember that um we talked uh, briefly at the beginning about the illustrator aaron apsley now he's mm. from florida so how did you find aaron well dk did to be honest so okay. they kind of linked me up with him and and with every decision dk made i I followed what they were advising, but also they really got me as well. They really got kind of uh, the type of font that I was happy to use and kind of probably envisioned as well. And the whole magazine look was exactly how I kind of felt a book could look when I mm -hmm. first had the mm -hmm. kind of uh, idea come through. And then obviously the illustrations, I wanted it to be really good kind of illustration, but almost like photo realistic as well. And Aaron's work is just, absolutely perfect but it's, it's incredible it's so funny because when you're putting a book together it's um obviously the illustration is 50 percent 50 percent is the text but like along the way obviously it is the editor is pulling it all together so it's not like aaron and i ever had a chat to each other because we kind of i don't know i think we kind of pretended we didn't know each other because you don't you don't want to kind of cross over that kind of communication because it's yeah, like yeah. you know it's been properly kind of organized this and that so it wasn't until I did my book launch of kind of like revealing it and putting it on pre-order that I then I messaged Aaron beforehand, like, oh, just introduce myself, blah, blah. And then I actually then invited him into the Instagram live and we'd never met before. And um, he came on. And this is the first time we met in front of the whole audience. It was like wow. me and my illustrator, who's, yeah, obviously a massive contribution to the book. So really cool guy, really sweet. And it really compliments what we're doing there naturally. And he has a great botanical knowledge as well. A lot of the stuff that he was drawing was from 
plants that he has in his own backyard, for example, as well. So it wasn't just, you know, copying a lot of stuff off, you know, existing images. It was yeah, really yeah. quite a creative, creative process for him as well. Yeah. Well, as an illustrator myself, I have checked out Aaron's page. And yeah. it's incredible, just the detail um, and quite stylized in, in his own yeah. way, um, but just incredible and great, as you say. It, the, the words and the pictures just work so well in this magazine styley format that, yeah, that the yeah, book yeah. has. I I always ask, and now obviously first book, what's next? I don't know. I think it's the type of book that really lends itself well to volume two, Chris, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but I think it really does. And, you know, the kind of um, there's so many different ways you can write about plants, exciting plants that are kind of real wow factors, but even, you know, your day to day plants as well. And there's, you know, there's easily great stories about the most simple of plants and how they act and how they behave and how they get done what they want to get done and so i think yeah that would be really cool um how did you select the plants that you have included was was it easy to select the plants how did i select the plants i think again it kind of fell into place naturally and i think because i had been putting together like the powerpoints of the weird and wacky plant shows i always had an excel sheet kind of running with kind of these plants and and almost like with their kind of groupings as well and and I don't know again I've got that mind that is quite orderly and I'm quite I find it quite easy to put things in groups and categories and kind of mm. so it just kind of fell in place but there are so many plants left over on this excel sheet that easily volume two can be done so yeah it's kind of yeah it just felt very natural again which is yeah so it's not that it's not the best um, when you're asking like all the trials and tribulations of writing a book. And I'm like, oh, it's just really natural. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad interview, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> JK Rowling, eat your heart out. <laughs> so you you talked about Ellen Mary earlier. Hmm. Ellen Mary. She's upstairs right now. So make sure you say is something she? nice about well, her. Well, it is. I just wondered... <laughs> Has there been any cross-referencing of notes? And well, I've done two, and you're on your first. Are you now ready to get the <laughs> next one out? Is there going to be no. a, bit of a friendly competition between the two of you? I don't think so. Like, I don't really see competition with anyone. Really, I kind of very much always just done my own thing and just kind of gone straight ahead. And, yeah, yeah. You see, other people do stuff and you kind of admire them. You kind of uh, feel good for them, but never really felt that competitive edge to be honest like just quite happy doing what I'm doing and yeah I think that's cool like we didn't I guess we didn't even swap notes on how to do it as well because it's a very different type of book too mm, so mm. I can't say she helped me no <laughs> well but no from, from what yeah. I know of you both I would imagine you would both come from different angles at writing a book anyway yeah 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 um, yeah definitely so yeah I think probably the thing we probably bounced around on the most was kind of about the um, kind of the editing process because it's no one quite tells you how that happens either. And, and I struggled for a bit with kind of knowing the right way. Like um, it sounds really menial, but like, do, do I do it written on paper? Do I do it on a kind of document? Do we do it on a Google share drive? You know, that was, and I remember that the hardest part of writing a book, Mike, was actually knowing how to deal with the edits when they go back and forth with the editor to make it the right process for both of you. And so then, because my head then would worry about the information and getting lost or this and that. And of mm -hmm. course, then you're all into kind of like, what if my file gets corrupted and stuff like that? <laughs> it's like, so the point where 
um, the text left my <clears> hands <throat> makes you then a bit nervous because you're kind of like, oh, well, I hope it, I get this across to the editor okay and kind of like they understand what I've meant and then discussing it, the talking about it, because I guess that's the part where you're not as fully in control, even though you need that support to move forward. So, yeah. Um, I have a theory, which I'm going to put to you now. Oh, uh... to- Ooh, uh, two Garden Media Guild Awards, Social Media and Broadcast of the Year. Are you just looking to work your way through the awards? Is it going to be the book category next? No, I think about like, I obviously applied for some this year, but like if I win, that would be great. But if I don't, then it's, it's also okay because there's so much great stuff out there do you know what I mean and, yeah and I was I was surprised to win the first year I was even more surprised to win the second year so yeah I mean what happens happens really yeah I guess do I feel a pressure I don't know because maybe you have to have a hat trick is that a good thing I don't know <laughs> well this is the thing it's the numbers game isn't it you've got two and three yeah. would be lovely and then you have to go for five then you want to be the highest winner ever so good luck good luck to you social media podcasting authoring is there anything else you would i know you're very reactive but is there anything else that you would like to do in in this sphere hmm. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> sorry i sound so two-dimensional <laughs> um, not at all like of course i mean for anyone like of course like they're like oh would you like your own tv show well of course who wouldn't want their own TV show? Do you know what I mean? So that's mm. a real obvious answer. But that also doesn't mean that I'm sat here on the sofa kind of wishing I had my own TV show, if you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, to kind of have something that's a bit like cool, kind of more magazine format would be great. Um, I guess, yeah, I'm doing a lot of different things and it's nice to be able to like kind of cross a lot of different demographics as well. So that's nice. Quite proud how I'm able to do that. Lots of different platforms. Like I've never been someone to put all of my uh, like eggs in one basket. So it's kind of like, you know, obviously Instagram, Facebook, you're doing stuff. Mm. Um, quite interesting sub stack at the moment to kind okay. of have that real like almost like control over what info you're putting out there in terms of newsletter form. And I think in terms of a lot of like the new product development that I do and going out and seeing new products and kind of looking at different trends and different changes in the market, it's kind of, there's no real... I see a lot of that and I've got a lot of interest in it, but there's no real outlet that I kind of use that for at the moment. So that's kind of where I'm going to put a lot of the kind of Substack kind of info, kind of like, you know, teasing new products that are coming along and this and that. And I think, you know, it's it's going to be monetized, but I think there's nothing to be ashamed of with that either because it's Absolutely kind of not. good good info and it's kind of a lot of kind of intel as well, really, mm. and kind of how I think about those products, how, how I think they could be marketed as well. So kind of, yeah, I guess that's one area I would then be developing and that would be fresh. But yeah, I guess just more of the same, being more distinctive, kind of, uh, I guess, an area where I've got maybe a little niche, just kind of making uh, like content for social media of a lot of products, like commercial products, like say Diana's Pink Kisses, we've worked on as a podcast, but also myself. Mm-hmm. But I quite, because I've always had that industry connection, but also consumer, thanks to my work with Thompson and Morgan, I can then work with a lot of breeding companies in Europe and kind of bring visibility of those products to a consumer audience, which um, maybe a lot of newer Instagrammers might not have that access to because they wouldn't have the industry knowledge or kind of, you know, I know how to bring that across to an audience. So I quite enjoy those kind of breeder relationships, kind of bringing those things to the fore. And 
bringing them in a number of distinctive ways as well whether I've got a wig on or a you know a different outfit you know I'm up for that Mike you know that <laughs> yes I, I'm remembering some of the reels I've watched now <laughs> yeah did you like Jerry <laughs> oh, that was um I had to watch it a few times yeah <laughs> but the this... thing is like you've got to be uh, we're advertising to people at the end of the day let's not be ashamed of that you know we're there to advertise these products you know Latai Lotus Joey and Matilda you know where I'm then kind of uh almost like the was it like Real Housewives of New York kind of the guy the girl that mm. and kind of I'm advertising the plant but hopefully people accept that better because I'm making it fun along the way as well so it's kind of and also to get people's attention because it's harder and harder it's kind of crowded audience and also because you are advertising someone obviously you're getting paid for that these are my clients at the end of the day but mm. there's a lot of effort that's gone into putting that advert together for the audience as well so hopefully then it's kind of yeah a nice synergy and it kind of gets the message out there and and it's fun as well which is kind of the bottom line to everything that I want to do out there talking about the instagram thing the social media thing people are getting very very creative are you aware of needing to up your game to sort of again it's not competition because you mm, just said mm. competition is important but are you just aware that things are changing and people really are going to town with some of these reels mm. and you need to sort of like up your game to keep there yeah I'm not too worried again really because i'm just i'm doing what i do in my niche and kind of like the i guess person I'm competitive with is myself really just to yeah. kind of better what I do I'm quite comfortable in the niche that I've got really kind of having that industry connection and access to consumer um I guess being um I described at the uh, horticulture event last week the seminars for the HTA as being a kind of in-betweener kind of in-betweener with the industry and consumer but also with the kind of age as well because you know I'm not a I'm not a young upstart kind of Instagrammer but I'm also not you know, I'm not kind of a tech um, clueless. I'm not a clueless tech person. So mm. kind of a game in between. So I'm doing what kind of feels right for me in that space again. And yeah, no, I don't really feel that pressure because also Instagram is not the only outlet. Do you know what I mean? And you've always got to behave as if, as if Instagram would shut tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? So make yeah, yeah. sure, you know, I've got a great audience on Facebook, you know, building out Substack. You know, I do a lot with my website, which a lot of people think, oh, website's very old fashioned. But, you know, 2000 hits a day is not bad for an individual That's website. Okay. So it's it's not always about always chasing that one platform as well. And so, you know, I say to people out there kind of, you know, it's not it's not only about that. And you should always act as if that would close the next day. Do you know what I mean? Kind of mm. always have some mm. other stuff in your basket. You know? Yeah. Good message. Know. Is that a good answer? Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Michael. Thank you so much. Hortus Curious, discover the world's most weird and wonderful plants and fungi. Thank you for being a fungi. Thank you oh, for coming thanks. along, chatting about the book, which is out now. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> thank you very much. As always, my thanks to Michael for spending time and coming along and having a chat with us about his brand new book, Hortus Curious, published by DK Books. Now, I've been extremely lucky as I've been sent a copy of the book, and I can assure you, you won't be disappointed. Yes, as we said in the podcast, it's a little bit different from some of the other gardening books on the shelves out there at the moment, but you will love it. And if, like me, you're a bit of a gardening bookworm, 
every pun intended, it's one to pop on your Christmas list if, of course, you've been good for Santa this year. So, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, we have one more episode next week when I'm joined by gardener and no-dig guru, Charles Dowding. And a little warning for you, it is another possible hashtag Naughty Spends episode, as we'll be chatting to Charles about his new book, as well as his career, and of course, lots, lots more. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been lovely to have you along. And if you haven't already, please do follow and subscribe, because even though we're heading towards our last episode, Series 5 is already in the pipeline. Yes, indeed it is, and I've got some great guests and subjects and topics lined up for you. If you're able, please do leave a review with your preferred podcast provider. That would be wonderful. So whatever you're doing with the rest of your day, do enjoy, and I will see you here next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.